2: Hello you miserable bastards and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast, my name is Jamie Coburn and joining me is Sam Smith, good evening, and Mark Jarden, good evening, Uh, Mark has update on where the other two are, yeah, and fair play to the boys, they get a
3: new job this week, they're way up to Dingwall, they're the new PR consultants at Ross County and I think they've already put a couple of statements out um, over the last few days, so well done boys, good to see you getting a bit of exposure.
1: (laughs)
2: I'll leave it at that um, so another one too on the trot unbeaten in five now we will come to Sam because he was the only one that actually went to the game again, he, he's a diehard of the group but um, Sam the question on everybody's lips is how was that Donner pie?
1: Oh, it was really good but uh, I wore half of it to be honest uh, <laughs> I never really expected to never came in like a wee bit of foil so took a bite into it and aye, half the sauce was in my chin or my hands but it was really good could you, you see big, through the tissue massive. by the end of that? Oh that it was it was non-existent. <laughs> Aside to the fact that I had to put the tissue round my neck like a wee like proper like a bib really to soak up the sauce, but it was good. It was well worth it.
2: And uh what everybody doesn't really need to talk about, but what we're here to talk about is uh, the game itself. How, how how did how did you see it?
1: Uh, I thought it was pretty dull, and for all the cliches that you always get off oh, of people when they say about games in Astro Parts, never really see a good game of football. It probably is pretty true, but even more so when you're playing Livingston. You know, the way Livingston players, you know, they're no great, they try and suck you into a battle, and it's exactly what they've done, to be honest. For the first maybe wee bit, we kind of struggled to get off the mark. It was just kind of two teams. 22 cars on our pitch, just kind of driving into each other, there wasn't really much going on but obviously we got the goal and from then on out never really looked in doubt, bar a wee daft 10 minute spell maybe at the end of the first half, I think Livingston were really unlucky you know, to score I think the first one uh, Forrest cut in, got the corner and then after that I think they maybe the wee spell of 2 or 3 corners in a row had a couple cleared off the line as well you know, we done well to weather the storm and go in at the break leading and no, I think that was the main thing, I think, uh, in the first half, I don't think we really had many plus points, of defence were decent, but other than that, I think Power was really good, again, I think he's really kicked on for when he came back into the team against Hibs and we are finally seen why, you know, Goodwin made a lot of effort and paid the small fee to get him in, he was a really good coach, on a wee bit through it, who, although he was really good in the second half, he was... Really, really poor in the first half. His first goal kind of saved him, to be honest. Uh, I think other than that, though, it never really looked in doubt at any point. Apart from that wee 10-minute uh, spell that I had mentioned, other than that, Livingston never really looked as if they were going to cause us any threat. They could have played all day. In, you know, Big Joe, Connor, Marcus would have cleared everything away. They were really good. I think Jack, what he had to do, done well. He had a really good save eh, Longridge in the first half. Other than that, though, he was pretty quiet. i seen David Martindale say that the goalkeeper was the difference between the two sides, but <laughs> I think he's probably been sniffing some of his product if that's the way he's seen some of the game.
2: <laughs> um, we'll talk, we'll, we can kind of focus on the goal because we've, we've all watched the highlights, um, and Sam, you were obviously there, so we can kind of go. Uh, really good counter-attack, and it was kind of like something we've, we've kind of <clears throat> lacked a wee bit, I'd say, we've, we've always... Seemed to be quick on the counter, but then not really amount to much. So it was very good to see an end product at this. You saw Brophy screaming for it at the other side of the pitch, but um ball's been chosen to play to Erewhon, who kind of started it from the start with a wee kind of clever back heel uh, to get to help break the ball um, away from the Livingston attack. Got the ball up quick. He got up to the other end of the pitch. Looked like he probably was going to cross it, but decided to go for the shot. That Sturgec maybe... Should I got a better hand to it, it kinda oh. um he has a bit of a poor keeper, but it, it, it
1: was it, a bit like a Craig Sampson attempt that a shotgun than that though, to be honest.
2: <laughs> he, he got a hand to it, just no power behind it and it and it's trickled out the net and ah, goal's a goal and it's they all count and, yeah, it's good to see. I think it can make a good... difference, like the the players that we've got breaking. I think that's potentially
3: something if it had happened a bit earlier in the season, we would have hoofed it and tried to, you know, at main at that point and, you know, taking a chance on him being able to, to knock it down for Brophy, which obviously worked against, um, Dundee, was it right at the, the start of the season, but now with someone like Ronan, who Goodwin's willing to trust with the ball, going through the middle of the park, it just gives you a bit more, more time. And with Erhon and, was it Fraser that laid the ball off them? Yeah. And and Brophy kind of dragging people away, then I think that's four guys very capable on the ball and, and who are kind of committing to stretching and, and that's the reason everyone's had the space he's had to, to put that away. So I think I, for me, um, even if this does sound a bit happy-clappy, I think that is evidence that we've kind of turned a bit of a corner now, I think, in terms of how we're playing football and, and who we've got in the park. And I, I wouldn't be surprised or disappointed now if the 11 that played on Saturday haven't pre- played the previous game as well is, is probably kind of first choice. Or kind of first plan A as it was and, and we've got people off the bench that can change the game if we need them.
1: Aye, you're right. I think it definitely looks as if that's the that's the preferred setup. I think for obviously for as much as Erahon maybe has to be great the past couple of weeks, she's definitely obviously got the talent and many is really doubt that. I think it's more the the attitude and doesn't really get stuck in as much as what he should for a boy's size, you know, compared to the Wee skinny 16-year-old, We see make his debut against Ray Rovers and then get reintroduced be introduced against Rangers a year later. He's definitely built up since then. He can throw it about and he definitely showed it on Saturday the second half because for a lot of the time, you know, for as much as I can I say that we never really looked in doubt, it was mostly down to Erewhon and Power right in front of the 18-yard line, you know, breaking up a lot of play. Yeah. Uh, the amount of interceptions that uh, between Power and Arahon, the amount of interceptions they made, broke it then Broke the play down, gave the ball either out of Tanser or Miller or McGrath, Ronan, and let it start moves from there on. It was it was really pleasing me. Look, like a really good unit, and again, I think a lot of that kind of contributes. Uh, a lot of that kind of helps when you've got a guy like Miller on the right hand side, who gives you that natural balance rather than playing somebody like Henderson out there, who we've not seen for a while. I think we just look a, a far. We've looked a far better team since Big Millers come in. Mm-hmm. Without him really having to do much as well either, just I think the, the balance that it gives to the team definitely has probably been why we've had a good upturn in results lately.
3: I've been um, I've been quite consistently critical of of Erdogan and I'm I'm definitely not the type to to kind of single out players generally and and kind of hammer them over a longer period of time or, or give up on people. But with Edinhon, it's never been a, a doubt about his ability, as you said, Sam, and it's never been. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not counting the passes he makes and then keeping a note of every bad one and, and having a go off the back of it as if other people don't also miss passes. But my, my issue with Erewhon is that he doesn't, for all the physical attributes that he has and the really central, key role that he has in the team, if he doesn't show up and do that, we're a bad team. And if he does do it, then we can be a good team and, and we, we can play other teams off the park and break them up really easily. And from what I've seen the last you know, five, six 10 times that I've watched Erehan, I've just not been convinced that he's moving himself about the park to the degree that he can, that he's chasing down things that other players are. I think you look at, do you mean he's, he's got youth on his side and, um, and and everything else? And Alan Power's what, 33, 34, and there's a lot of males on the clock. And it feels at times that power covers twice the ground that Erehan does. But I think if there's a more kind of equitable distribution of that, which from, from what you're saying, it sounds like there was for, for the majority of of the weekend's game then then I think that's a positive and I would much rather have Ethan justifying his place in the team by by giving that I think we're a strong team with him on form it's just that I've not seen that for for a while that, that's that been my my issue as opposed to having given up on him as a, a footballer
2: mm-hmm. um, From the looks on Twitter Alan Power uh, got man of the match um, shows how much of an important signing he's been I think someone maybe Aye. lacked the, the past couple of seasons that someone were better. Um, who's experienced but also has a bit of fight in him and well, we'll let players know he's there as we've seen previously in the, the season maybe a little bit too much but um, I'm sure G- G- Goody will help with that even though he <laughs> couldn't do that himself either right. but um, <laughs> uh, just how good was he on um, Saturday Sam?
1: Uh, he was really good I think he's, he's as you said obviously the wee incident at Celtic Park What wasn't wee incident at- Took him right out and get sent off, but I uh, think <laughs> the the red card at Celtic Park kind of put a lot of people's opinions on him the wrong way. He's no, he's never really. I think he what he does seem to get a lot of attention for is a couple of rash tackles he's made. Not he even rash tackles. I think the the one that he, put, he's, he went for a high ball with Ryan Jack. No. And people just assume that he's a dirty player because of things like that. But he's actually a far. I think I've said this a couple of things on here. Now. He's a a far better footballer than people will give him credit for, I think. Uh, Andrew Christie's blog was pretty much spot on when he says that. He says it's just he picks up a, a bad reputation. People do forget what he brings to the team. You know The amount of times, he, as I said previously, him and Erehorn were intercepting the ball. But Pauwels really got a good drive to go forward. He, he's a good dribbler as well. He's pretty, doesn't He doesn't he miss a pass. He always gets out to the right player knows how to start moves properly and he's a, a really good asset and I think the longer he can stay fit and keep playing as if he's in his early 20s and the more benefit to us because he's, he's definitely still got it at this level. I do feel bad after saying after slagging you though Jamie when we played for <laughs> last year when we bet them 2-0 and I said I remember putting in the group chat slaughtering you because I said that Alan Power was done he was an absolute hoodie but eh uh, I think I was more just <laughs> into the guys he was playing with last year yeah. because it was another match performance again on Saturday for him for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've we've
3: kind of missed that. Sorry, you know, just um, I think we've kind of missed that dependability of of effort and also execution. The fact that you you can kind of trust them not to give much away. We've missed that since that first season of Sam Foley. Mm-hmm. I think um, just that you, you can you know that the heart of the team's taken care of, and then you're just fitting other stuff round it I think it makes Goodwin's job a lot a lot easier when you know that you've got that and everything else is complementing it and I think we've, we've not had that since Foley had that kind of massive drop off between, between seasons so I think it Aye. should make a big uh, difference to seeing games out this year
1: I I think as well Like if we had a guy like Power on the team last year for obviously the, I think it was more important than the game that sticks in my head when we really looked as if feel like the experience in the middle part was the semi-final of the league cup against Livingston mm-hmm. I think if you put I think we started with a really, really young centre midfield pair in that I think it was McPherson and Erahon who were both a bit naive. And maybe if you took Erehon or just one of the two of them out and had a guy like Power in, I think it's definitely what we've been missing. Since as you said, Foley came in and I think in games like that last year where we did need a wee bit extra, a bit more experience, a bit of a cooler head in the middle of the pitch, somebody who would never be too erratic and went chase doing stuff they shouldn't have maybe give away daft fivels. I think power would have probably seen us in the top six maybe last year, seen us probably close out games better than we did, but it's definitely been something that we've needed and it's good that Goodwin's identified him as the guy that he wanted to take him in and do it because the budget that we're at and, and a lot of teams in Scotland, they would probably kill to have a guy like Power in their midfield.
2: You mentioned uh, about his uh, the reputation that he has, especially from fans outsider um, St. Mirren and Kilmarnock. Uh, and I, I, it's just a, a nice we mentioned that. Remember the Scots abroad podcast was having a right go because he tackled. He was jealous. A a, of David Sco- a Scottish international player, um, and then he went off on a around. And then Craig Kelly, who we've disagreed with a lot of times, actually put in a fair point about Alan Power, and we liked that post. Well, Scott's a broad podcast, I've just realised, stop falling this because of that, so so fuck, nice. fuck them and fuck Ryan Gold. Um, <laughs>
3: I did notice um, that someone tagged the guy that writes for them, and a thing about Ryan Gold having assisted from a corner being like, that guy will be wanking himself silly <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> off the back of that, <laughs> it's true. Like I, I, I generally think I'd quite like to see Ryan Gold in the Scotland squad, but GC, just to annoy him, nah, fuck it.
1: Yeah, Aye, I'd love to. I'd love to see him get called up and have an absolute stinker, <laughs>
2: just to annoy Scott Sabran. Aye. <laughs> uh, is there is there anything else you want to mention from the Livingston game before we move on?
1: Uh, I think the you only know, other thing that I would probably say deserves a bit of mention was far as much as he obviously we're going to judge strikers and both. I uh, don't. Particularly, solely judge strikers on goals, but a lot of other support do. I think Brophy deserves a bit of credit for his performance on Saturday. You know, he, he never really, I think he maybe had one or two shots, a couple of pot shots out the box, but they pretty much marked him out the game. But other than that, you know, he's, he's running off the ball. The amount of, as you said, I think Mark casted up as well, the space that he, he put off for the goal. He's he done a lot of hard running again. Yeah. And it's something that we've definitely missed, I think, obviously. Obi was meant to be the one that was supposed to be a kind of pressing forward, etc. But Brophy's really done that, and he's really, really good at you know kind of linking up with other strike. He's linked up with the rest of the team as well. He's a good footballer, and the amount of times he kind of held the ball up for a guy size and Saturday out at half when we really needed it was, was it was a massive benefit to us, and probably and then up helped us secure the points. He was really good again. And Curtis Main, the two of them do link up well. I think the less could be said about some of Main's attempts and goal on Saturday, but again, it's really, really positive for the forward players for an area of the park that seems to be under fire quite a lot for the majority of the support. I a, think, um,
3: sorry, I'm go.
1: sorry,
2: Jimmy.
3: No, uh, no, I was just going to say, that you'd mentioned Andrew Christie's blog already. I saw that you'd mentioned in that that I think Profe got 18 touches mm. in the entire game on on Saturday, but I think that I think it's, it's maybe slightly underrated how much of a grass there is. is. I think he's seen as a bit of a kind of sulky, selfish striker and actually I think a lot of the attributes that Goodwin will have seen in him will have been just what you were saying there. He genuinely presses, he'll he'll run himself into the ground, he'll pull as much as if he gets the ball. He's he's only got one thing on his mind. If he doesn't have the ball, he's always moving and trying to create space and and, that will benefit the rest of the the team as well. I'd I'd like to see him score more goals, but if the team scores and wins because of stuff that he's doing, then... Mm -hmm. I mean, for him to have had an impact on a game where he's touched the ball eighteen times as a lone striker, I think says all about his his effort levels.
2: I did notice on the highlights package we got a cameo appearance from Lee Irwin. and he, and he annoyed me in that small highlights package because it was the point that that Sturgeon, miles out of his goal went for the header. <laughs> uh, and he was the closest player to him, and he didn't even bother his ass. Like,
1: he draw like an, you know, this honesty. And game. fairness to him, he, he took a really good touch on the halfway line, oh. and I think I'm sure the referee blew the whistle after it panned it up the line. So <laughs> I'll give him that. Lee Irvin won the game. <laughs>
2: <But> <laughs> the thing is, like, see when see when a keeper comes that far out of his goal to do something like that you've got to challenge him. Like, yeah, like nine times out of ten, you you challenge the keeper there. The keeper's probably going to get a free kick. But you know, every now and then, you get a referee that allows the play to continue. If you've won that ball off of him, uh, yeah, you may have made contact, but. You know, you never know what happens.
1: That would involve him running. No, and I don't think no. Big Lee is interested in running at all. So
2: <laughs> right, we'll we'll move on. We're playing um everybody's favorite team at the moment, Ross County. Um totally not. Wonder what end uh, Ross and Craig are going to sit on. <laughs> I heard they've got um they've been doing <laughs> such a, such a good job that Malcolm McKay has given them like VIP seats
1: they the just dugout. it uh,
3: just <laughs> says they have to wear these white um, overalls. To, I
1: don't
2: know.
3: <laughs> Pointing at. <laughs> aye, aye. More details on
1: that later. <laughs> it's a, again, you're not really going to get a better opportunity mm. to string three wins in the bounce and playing a, a team like them. they absolutely humming any time mm-hmm. I've seen them this year. They're, it's hard to make a team look terrible on highlights, but they look terrible even on highlights in, in games that they've scored goals so I just don't really, I seem to think that fans are pretty disillusioned with having that tip as the manager as well, and I think they're there to, again, as I said we live with, they're there to be got at they're, you know, they're, they're leaking goals constantly they've got a really inexperienced team you'd like to think we could go up there maybe reintroduce main Ferreira on but I, th- I don't really, I think with any team we could go up there with The likelihood is we'll come away with three points. We went away up there twice last season and came away with two wins without really doing much Mm -hmm. for them. They're just a team who really look as if if you go and set up defensively, they're really going to break you down and they'll make an asset at one point and eventually give you a goal. So it's it's a a winnable game and a chance to put a bit of daylight between us and the Diddies in the bottom three.
3: Mm -hmm. Anything we can do to kind of smash the. The misconception that Malky McKay's anything other than just a bit of a deplorable fraud is—I um, am mean, all in favour of. I, I think that the narrative of him seems to be, you know, it's awful what he did, but he's genuinely sorry, and he's a really talented man manager that we're missing out on if uh, if we don't let him come back. And I, I've literally never seen anything to suggest that he's anything other. Are you, are,
2: yeah, are you trying to say that even after the the initial incident which he got fired at Cardiff for, where before he went after he went to Wigan and Scotland that he does not deserve a second chance?
1: Yeah, I see what we exactly. his Scotland job is a 300 grand a year job it's mm-hmm. not as if he's been paid in small amounts he's been rewarded essentially for being a awful human being mm-hmm. with such taxes, I bet you'd love a go on her falsies, but <laughs> Yeah. Just, he's just—he's just an awful guy, and I'd love to go up there. And, I don't know, preferably fucking Erehwon to score because he would probably have a wee melted <laughs> in the touchline. So.
3: Get Charles Dunn back
1: in,
2: yeah.
3: Errol and Charles Dun both scoring, I do
2: Bring Obika back just for this one match. <sighs> Bring Junior Mendes off the bench. Yes. Uh,
1: I thought you were going to say Junior Mendes, and I was about to say I would disagree with that one. <laughs> Leave him playing right wing yeah, for Kingsland Town
2: when, when forever, please. When we're 4-0 up, we need someone to hold it into the corners, and who better? Um,
3: I had a look at, just as you're saying there, about their, their record being pretty shitty so far. I had a look at their, their games so far, and I hadn't quite appreciated just how shit they look actually actually. They, they, they. One of their points was against Hearts At home, they, they drew away to Aberdeen. They... Um, They've scored again. They scored again two against Rangers, and and I remember people saying that they didn't play that badly when they got beat three 0 by Celtic. But the, all the games they've been cuffed in, you know, Hibs aside, you know, Dundee United, Motherwell. There's there's not that much going on. I, I think they might be able to raise their game to try and stifle a you know quote unquote big team. But similar to to this weekend, I'd be pretty confident of us going keeping the same team, same um, same match plan, and just. Not really letting them get into the game at all, and they'll they'll make mistakes. I think we've proved that mm. multiple times. I, I don't think we're going to be unlocked by some sort of racist Marcello Bielsa <laughs> impression from Malcom <Al-K-M-K-I>. McKay So <laughs> I think um, I think we just show up and do what we do, and I'd be surprised if it was anything other than a, you know, a kind of relatively narrow, somewhat victory. To be honest,
2: I'm going with two now, and I'm going to say goals from Brophy and Ronan Dino. What a man!
3: Uh,
1: 3-1 I'll for go me 2-0 I'd say I don't I don't really see what Ross County have that would trouble any defence in the world I don't even I really I think for the first time in a while they're one of the only teams in the league that I could maybe only name you one or two players from I think most of them I could tell you that like they start starting a couple of subs but I really don't know who plays for yeah. Ross County other than Blair Spittle I looked
3: at their um, starting lineup for the for the Dundee United game and I. Honestly, could only tell you one player who I knew for certain wasn't on loan.
2: It just right. looked like
3: ten loan players from Grimsby yeah, and Coventry and not whatever all, else. All on loan
2: from down south, so. Yeah.
1: Malky using his contacts. At Millwall. <laughs> <laughs> at Millwall and West Ham, probably, but Southend. The E.D.L. FC. <laughs> he's got Tommy Robinson on the bench. Right? But he's a he's a good guy, obviously, according to the media, so they'll be desperate if something to do well. But I do I do think he uh, they'll probably he'll definitely be under a bit of pressure, maybe could end up sacked if they didn't pick up it against us. It's a pretty pretty dire situation for them up there. The fans are already on their back, so it will be good to go and put a wee bit more pressure on them. Always good to see teams like that kinda of fold a wee bit under the pressure. makes a change that it's no use us. so Two or three
3: weeks, and I reckon Uncle Roy will be having a wee look at the work phone that Malky was given, just to see if he's getting any justifiable cause. Um,
2: And there was another schmizer meeting, Um, and we obviously have, as Kibble representatives ourselves, we had a man there, Uh, Mark. How did the the meeting go down?
3: First of all, just to reiterate again, what a great bunch of lads the Kibble were. (laughs) Made me feel very welcome at the Kibble table. no, I think by by all accounts it was a little bit quieter than the, the first meeting, which um, which I didn't make it along to. And I think a lot of the, the kind of big questions which caused the, the majority of the, the kind of drama leading up to the meeting were kind of addressed that time round. So this was more following up on some of the things that they'd done since then. They they started off by kind of giving actually quite a decent amount of information on some stuff that they'd discussed at board meetings since then and, and things that they were doing, they're, they're talking about communications I think is the biggest thing that they've you know the, the the tickets are now sold and the pies are now available and the ballots are gone so all the things that they had criticism of they're preparing so that they don't have to do it again in terms of ongoing changes that we'll see, communications seem to be the, the kind of dominant topic there, they, they recognise that a lot of the, the issues that have been put to them have been because they have either not made things clear enough when they've explained it or they've, they've not been proactive in, in, in getting information out there I think the kibble being a an example of that. There was a couple of really fair questions from from the, the floor about, um, you know, not necessarily casting aspersions on, on what the, the Kibble do, but saying in order to, you know, to kind of trust that 25% of the club and 25% of the voting rights are being used in the correct way, it would be much better to know exactly what the Kibble gets out and what their plans are for the long term and and for that just to be a bit more publicised and, and it seemed to be that that was being taken on board. There was talk of, of maybe having a an event or be that at the club AGM or somewhere else where representatives from the kibble will be encouraged to come along and and have more of a a say, it was Gordon Scott I think actually that had said um, this time round that if you put the kibble up at the previous meeting or this one they would just become the focus for everything that was going wrong and he's like I can tell you categorically that that's not true and it's also not fair to, to lay that at their door that there is not a single issue at the club that they've got a deciding vote on um, and and that's just that that's the reality of it. So I think fair enough. It, it didn't whitewash it. They, they certainly answered some of the tough um, the tough questions. And once that was all out of the way, they, they started to get back to talking to about some of the longer term stuff, which I think fan ownership and, and everything else could could lead to. So loads of um, conversation about making better use of the space at the stadium, developing parts of the stadium. Um, I know there is still a, some kind of uh, this uh, discomfort with the idea of the eighteen seventy seven club being like for you know a kind of closed members <coughs> and set up and, and everything else, but I think again that the club kind of dealt with that as as well as they could. It's capacity for two fourteen. There's two hundred and twenty members, so if you want to be a member, you can sign up, and it's right that those that have paid through lockdown and everything else get a guaranteed seat if they've mm-hmm. they've reserved it, and it's kind of not going to change much from that. Um, a lot of people raising questions about. As compared to other clubs like Livy and having two, two um, um, you know kind of members bars and, and and stuff available for fans around the ground that away fans are welcoming and revenue that we're missing out on that as, as a result and, and again I think across the board um, I think there was five five people speaking in, in total from the club side and the Smyser side and and again they didn't shy away from it they said that they were really keen to do it but they, they shared the, the kind of costs that were attached I think Alan Wardrop went into detail about having consulted and, and got prices for filling in this, the um, corner between the main stand and the family stand and I think um, somewhere, once you factor in all the kind of um, steel costs and labour costs and everything else, it was between one point five and £1.8 million pounds to 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 get that sorted and he said, look, I'd, I've got no doubt people will spend their money there, people are loyal to the club, I've, you know, I think there's lots of nice ideas of what we could do there but you're not going to get a loan from a bank mm-hmm. to a football club. and you know, John Needham's got more experience than most on, on that side, and was quite clear that you're not getting a loan out of, out of any bank to do that, so you're talking about having to raise funds outside of all the things that supporters already pay for and raise raise money for, or cut costs elsewhere out of the, you know, didn't say playing budget, but you know, it doesn't put two and two together, so I think there was a recognition that there's more that they could do, and that they, they encourage ideas to come in, but realistically, there. they've been entrusted with, you know, a kind of fairly fine margin business, and to to go ahead and spend seven figures on on stuff like that might just be beyond their reach. Um, certainly now, um, but that they'll they'll look at what they can do. And, and the last thing I'll say, um, really interesting chat as well about the old firm situation and giving away the two stands. I think um, John Needham, Gordon Scott were were categorical in that they didn't want to give the the second stand away, but the you, you were talking about the business taking a, a hundred fifteen to hundred twenty grand hit if you didn't sell the second stand based on, based on numbers, um, and they said they were already making a bit of extra money before they gave all of the west stand back to to some fans. So he said it's not just a case of we we took we did it so we can take it back. Said that was done to create income that we lost from having away fans based in the West End and having to fully staff the mm-hmm. the away stand as, as well. So it's it's not quite as simple as just stop it. So we said there's a shortfall there. Now I don't think it's my place to, to give away some of the specifics of things that were mentioned. Um because it was it was kind of mentioned in the room that things were at a very, very early stage and they had to get a lot of legal advice and you know, PR advice and, and everything else about what they were going to do. But it sounded like they were keen to look at solutions where if there's things that they can do to to generate that income over the course of a season, then in an ideal world they would they would maybe look at next season being able to to restrict it and and getting back to normal on that and, and just having the one stand. But you know, realistically, it's ideas that are going to generate 120 grand, if not a bit more, when you add in policing costs and and everything else to to do it. So I think the impression sometimes on on most matters, and particularly that one, is that the club can kind of do what what's right for the money and, and don't really listen to, to what the fans are saying and I'm I'm not here as a club spokesperson for all the joking we do about the kibble and everything else, but I left that meeting fairly confident that they're they're doing what they can to to mitigate that and to change that. And if if they're able to you know to, to encourage more fans to buy tickets and to make up that shortfall and do other things then they'll they'll give us the you know, the kind of leap of faith to try and do it. But it's it all sounded fairly early stages so I don't know if they're going to do another one. Um, certainly not within a kinda of month again like this one and he said it would maybe be a, a quarterly or half yearly thing moving forward now that some of the the more acute issues have been, been dealt with and, and it's more of a kinda of wait and see to to decide how successful they've been. But in general, I think um, I think it was a, a positive thing to go to and I would encourage anyone to, to go along and take the time to, to actually sit and listen and and see how decisions are being made and who buy it. it
1: certainly puts my mind at ease about some things. I, mean, I think they're definitely a good thing to have. I think the communications it needs to, obviously we've all agreed, obviously for as much as we weren't really as vocal as other people and as annoyed as them. I think that it's nice to know what is going on. Nice to put names, uh, faces to names, nice to know kinda the sort of people who are making the decisions at the club. And through what you've said, you know, I don't think they really need to be worrying about of these guys or if of the club's best interest at heart and there's nothing that really looks as if it's going to flag up immediately and bite in the arse which is good so
3: mm-hmm.
1: good to hear about the hopefully for next season onwards reducing the old 31 standard like do you think that would happen because nobody can really be arsed listening to two stands at their site four or yeah. five times a season
3: that, um, that point was definitely made as well and, and I don't think that the n- neither the chairman nor the board nor the smizer representation were in any doubt as to exactly why fans were so unhappy to give two stands away and Mm -hmm. particularly to to both of those clubs because of what you are subjected to and and it does feel a little bit like you're kind of selling out your own to to do it. So I think that's definitely how it feels. They they did a good job of of explaining the realities of that and, you know, the kind of cold hard cash implication And I think genuinely if they can do something, they will. It's not a guarantee. It might be that we're stuck with it because it doesn't work out. And if it's between that and losing, you know, Matt Miller and Connor Rowan,
2: Aye. then it needs must. Hmm. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I think Tony always mentioned the fact that as he needs like for for us to um, not give the old firm the two stands. I think he said, one, was it like last season's QA kind of thing? He said that he, we need supporters to turn up. And it's the annoying thing as well is like, you don't really want, like, I can understand why a lot of supporters want to stay away from these matches because you don't want to bring your, your kids to a match where they're going to hear yeah. like that, like, the songs that they're used to singing and everything like that. Um, the, so is, is, is the point story? was
3: made. Sorry, Jim. No, just, to, just to back up what you were saying there, the point was made last night that it's not as black and white as saying, you know, we won't give it for that, and you need to make it back on those matches. I think there was a—I can't remember—someone raised it from the floor, or more than one person did, and it was—it was acknowledged by them that you're talking about over the full course of the season. So it's not that you're losing. I think is it three home games we would have against the old firm um, generally. So it's not as if you need to make up forty grand at each match to justify it. It's that if they can find a way through, be that season ticket sales. Be it be it something else. Um, one of the things that was floated was potentially making the family stand a bit more open, in terms of who can get tickets there, but have it very controlled. But that was that was just mentioned on the night and, and a couple of other things. If they can do that over the course of a season, and it makes up that that shortfall, or if they've got a confidence in the level of season tickets and an income that that's going to bring, and it's going to make that up, then it's not like for like. It's it, they recognise that you might lose other fans from from that game, and it's not contingent on that.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, another thing we mentioned there about the communication issues, I, I, I'd like to make a wee point on that. The fact that it's an issue that Murns always kind of had, and we'll, we've definitely seen that towards the start of the season. But um, the new chairman John Needham, seems to be probably one of the most communicative chairmen we've had so far, especially on Twitter. He, he engages with his supporters, he reads the blogs, listens to the podcasts. Um, hi, John. Um, guys, <laughs> the cat, uh, and, and that's good to see as well. Like. What um, You've got an outlet. If you send him a message, he will reply. Um, um, and it's that's quite a, un- a unique perspective for our club that our chairman is so accessible. And that hopefully leads on to the future for the communication issues to kind of resolve.
1: Aye, that's so, definitely on the right track. Definitely. I think you can see that I think John and the rest of the guys that are on the board have like a kind of clear plan of what they want to do. So, as we've said before, let's give them time, let them sort it out. We're no kibble or smicer spokesman, what mm-hmm. like we've been called before. I think it was a it was a, a club a club walkover act, I think we were. So <laughs> aye. Well, no that I think we're just more pretty sensible heeds on that these things take time and I hopefully John can do the job to the best of his abilities, which I don't really have any doubt about. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, before we move on to your wonderful opinions, uh we're here, we may as well talk about it. Scotland are playing this weekend. Uh, we are playing Israel again, and then following that, Faroe Islands away. Um, this isn't just a case to show in our new merch that you can buy on miseryhunters.co.uk. Lovely meatball t-shirt, of course, with um, our former player John McGinn in, a, in, a, in, a, in the Scotland shirt. Um, but I thought he came through the Hibs Academy, no? No, 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 yeah. Unlike popular belief, believe it or not, he is a... He's a product of the Ralston Academy. I've heard so the Ralston uh, Academy
3: is what the McGinn's called, their be- parents called their bedroom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Many a child's been conceived there.
1: <laughs> aye, big, big game, obviously. The massive implications were pretty much in pole position to finish in that playoff spot. So, I hopefully, you know, for, obviously there's really 40-odd spaces below us in the rankings. They're a really good team, definitely on the up. Better attacking players than we do, if I'm being brutally honest. I think the guys like, you know, Solomon and Zahavi, you know, Sean Weissman, all really good players play at a, a lot better level than some of our lads play at. Eh, Definitely going to be a tricky game. there obviously be players real every international break, so Steve Clark should know all the ins and outs of what will happen. But I hopefully win this one and then you've really got three games against, oh, is it, the Faroe Islands, Moldova and... Denmark. Denmark, really all you've got to do is, you know, win three games. One two of them are essentially givens. But I think the Israel game will obviously be a wee bit tricky, but nah, I think with in the big games, I think Steve Clark's probably earned the right to be a wee bit earned the right to be get a wee bit of respect off for some of the fans, you know. The football isn't the most exciting, but I'm sure we'll get there on Saturday. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I think if um... If Austria don't beat Denmark, then I think we can fairly safely count them out. They could only get 16 points, I think, if they lose to Denmark in, in this, this kind of round one game. Although they do play the Faroes twice, so you can probably bank on them getting 16 points. We, we've yeah. got the Faroes and Moldova, so you can bank on us, I think, getting at least 17. So, so we should be fine, which I, I think means it, it really does come down to to this Israel game I think if, if we go out and, and beat them Israel are going to struggle to they would have to beat Austria I think to to have a chance of of getting anywhere near our, our points total whereas if, if we don't win then I think we're having to go to that Denmark game at home and having to, to pull something out of it which they, they look like a different proposition than they would have been even two or three three years ago they look, look really decent so I think um, there's a lot riding on it and based on the previous ten times we've played Israel there's a lot riding on it then we, we might be alright okay. but we just need to see how it goes I think McTominay being back in is a, a, uh, yeah, a massive a massive boost um, he's, I think he makes us tick
1: mm-hmm. Aye. as long bottom. as uh, I think there's obviously players that should be, I think the big one big call for me is who plays at right back I think if you play Adorno you've kind of mm-hmm. consigned yourself to just accepting that you're maybe going to be under it a wee bit and you're going with a wee bit of a defensive approach with a wee bit too cautious whereas if you go with Patterson you'd like to think that we'll have a wee bit of go maybe a wee bit more attack mm-hmm. Yeah. taking a mirror what Robertson does on the left-hand side for obviously Patterson a lot of people are kind of weird about him like, oh he doesn't play enough for his club regardless of whether he plays enough for his club or not he's probably the best option we've got at right back he's, he's been getting Donald plays
2: Patterson's been getting a few more minutes recently as well, so um, he
1: started starting Sunday. Need mm-hmm. a really good performance going forward and defensively. You know, playing against Hibs isn't an easy, isn't an easy ride. They cope with the pressure well, so you'd like to think you'd start him. Uh, hopefully, go up front with Adams and Dykes and have a, a right go at it.
2: Yeah, I'd like to see us go for it, but the thing is, Clark I, I like Steve, Stevie Clark, and I wanted him to get the job, but like he does make some decisions where you feel like you're just doing this because everybody else is telling you to do the other thing, and he he, he, he like he kind of has the attitude of "I'll show them, I'll do it my way," that kind of thing. So like striking
3: like at times,
2: yeah. So we need to start making calls about Stephen O'Donnell has to play every match. <laughs> need to get a Stephen O'Donnell T-shirt out there. <laughs> <Bye.
1: laughs> I think that would be the worst selling T-shirt ever. I think people would, I don't know, they might sell. People might buy them, they bum them, so.
2: Got it, I If there's demand, we need to supply. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, the Faroe Islands game should be a pretty much like a... I'd, yeah. I'd like you know, to, we
3: don't deserve to go to the World Cup. So. I know
2: I know this is a slightly different Faroe Islands team than what we have seen previously. They have kind of came on a bit and they are, like, we, we still have the attitude that we should be taking five, six, seven off mm. of them a 2-3-0 win on um, away at the Faroe Islands we'll take it it's right. a good result
1: it doesn't uh, a lot of teams a lot of fans expect when you play sort of teams like Moldova and the Faroe Islands that you and give them a doing but at that national level there's not really a lot of teams that go out and give teams doing so obviously there's the exception but teams like France will go out and steamroller. You know, countries like Andorra, 5 or 6 0. But even the, t- the teams that are in our group specifically, I think France, when they played Moldova last year, struggled, struggled really struggled to beat them, only 1 1 0. And that was the you know, full line up. I think Mbappe, Griezmann, Usman, Dumbele is a front three. So I think uh, it's a, a stuffy group. But we should hopefully be a winning Saturday and a winning Tuesday. Should be enough to see us through.
3: Mm-hmm. I think that's where Clark's system <sighs> kind of comes into its own a wee bit. We've been a bit. More conservative in some of the bigger games, and it has been about you know kind of stopping you know England and, and whatever else doing, doing to varying levels of success against the smaller teams. I actually think it sets us up really well, like releasing Tierney to go and do what he does, and and kind of overload with Robertson. I think if you go with Patterson, that helps Robertson and Tierney do what they do as as well, because you you can't mark down the down our left exclusively if, if you know that you've got McTominay and. And Patterson, I think much more so than, than O'Donnell. I think um, I think Patterson, even from the kind of fairly limited sample size, makes such a, a difference. He's so direct and so physical that I think that does it. So I'd, I don't have the same fear going into a game like the Pharaohs that I might have had before, even with them being better, because I think we create more, we dominate more of possession, and we don't look quite as passive and like kitchen sinky as, as we did before. We, we kind of will break teams down, we'll create space. and I think the Dyke's getting into a bit better form and Adams has been, I think, a, a kind of different quality mm. than what we've had for a while, then I, I we, we should we should, we should, should put comfortably a couple past them and, and not have to worry too much about conceding. So it doesn't have to be 5-0. If it's 2-0, oh, it's 2-1. I'm happy. Aye.
1: One's a one.
2: And remember, yep. go get your meatball t-shirt from www.miseryhunters.co.uk. Uh, <laughs> we will be back after this.
0: Hello, I'm Jim Goodwin,
2: and you're listening to the Misery Hunters thank you jim see the way he says hunters it's, like, oh,
3: it's got passion
2: in there isn't it?
3: it's great mark. isn't it what a man the housewife's favorite
2: mark oh. it is your time to shine you have put your tweets out you've got your opinions you've you've written them down for us to now t- talk about so yeah. to you
3: the universally popular unpopular opinion section
2: unless you're tony um blair is that his name? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although, I've, to be honest, I've still not forgiven him for a rack, so yeah. he
3: can pipe <laughs> down. Um, I wonder how many times he's heard jokes of exactly that type.
1: Probably the same amount um, Sam's had about that musician. Yeah, true. Is there, somebody, is there a singer called Sam Smith? Yeah, I've yeah. Never, never heard that.
2: <laughs> um, this
3: week, again, we'll maybe drag it back to something a bit more football related for for next week, but this week. To, to keep the, the nonsense going it was film, TV and music and as with uh, as with every week you didn't let us down with some of the absolute nonsense that you piled my way so without any further delay, uh, first up this week is at Jordan 1877 the final season of Game of Thrones was nowhere near as bad as many made it out to be and I would, uh, I would disagree with that wholeheartedly and say it's probably worse than most people well, said it was uh,
1: I will need to sit this one out because I have never watched Game of Thrones. Well, this so.
2: is where I come in and also say it is without a doubt probably the worst way to end like Game of Thrones completely. The fact it was completely rushed, missed out like major character development. What worries me is obviously that the T V series surpassed the books, at, like um and George R. R. Martin apparently told the producers how the books were to end, which gives me the absolute fear for where the fucking books are going to go. Um, yeah. But it's completely killed my interest in all of Game of Thrones. Like, I, I was a big Game of Thrones fan. I've read all the books. I couldn't wait for Winds of Winter to come out. Now, I genuinely don't know if I'll read it or not, because I, I generally yeah. have lost complete interest. I saw a tra- that trailer for House of Dragons, is that what it's called? Um, it's been released by HBO for the new spin-off series. I've got co- completely no interest in watching it you've completely killed all my interest in game of thrones and the franchise and the series for how poor that ended yeah it's not for me
3: i'm trying to think of how to like describe it to sam without actually spoiling anything in case he ever does imagine you're sitting on tinder and you see someone come up and you're like imagine you're single first and then (laughs) someone comes up on tinder and you're like that person looks absolutely perfect. Let's see where this goes, and you start chatting to them. And the more you chat to them, the better it gets. And you're like, "Oh, this could be like the single greatest date of my entire life." And you you organise to go out, and when you know you go out for that date, and even better in person than they were on on Tinder, and just with every every added hour, every added every added experience, it gets better and better. Like you know, this person, they, they could be the one. This this I know it's only been four hours and a couple of pints, and Lebowski's but this could genuinely be the one and then you walk home from the flat from, from the pub to your flat and it's like right well you know it's I don't, I don't like where we're going it's maybe not the best area but it's been so good up to now it doesn't really matter exactly how and exactly where the day ends I know that it's going to end well because you know it's, it's been so good all the way through and you open the door and it's the most disgusting flat you've ever seen in your entire life and they punt you and mock the door in your face and send you up the road and you're left wondering why you bothered putting all that effort into over the previous eight hours slash eight years. I was half That's ex- game
2: of thrones. I was half expecting you finally get to the bedroom, you open the door and it's that the lassie's bedroom that was on Twitter with all the Union Jacks all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's Champagne joke <gel. laughs> <laughs> Genial man. But that so, was a very specific uh Example there, Mark, has this happened to you previously?
1: <laughs> I really liked Game of Thrones.
3: <laughs> I might I might have uh, sprinkled some some little bits of my own dating history into to that, but that was purely a, purely a metaphor, I assure you. I, I think comfortably that's a that's a shite opinion. I think anyone who who genuinely enjoyed the last season of Game of Thrones is at it. Mm-hmm. Like I think you're you're saying that to be funny. That's that's the pineapple on
2: pizza, of television opinions. You're trying to be edgy. You're almost as edgy. I know Sam says he's never watched it, but he didn't make the tweet going. Am I the only person to have never watched an episode of Game of Thrones?
1: Oh, I'm so edgy. (laughs) It's
2: like that. (laughs) That would have been
1: that would have been more edgy than that tweet. It's it's on the list.
3: So don't do it to
1: yourself.
2: It is really good. It is worth watching it. But as long as you don't watch the final season, you're probably good.
3: Imagine you're downloading a film and it batters through at a pace you've never seen before up to 95% and then doesn't download and you don't get to listen to it and don't get to watch it. <laughs> that, that's, that's what it's like. It's ninety. It's it's 95% amazing build-up and then no drop.
2: Yeah, and then they also they build up it- this massive evil enemy to come and then they shoot the entire fight scene. It's a... F- they done it under a bed, like we no lights. Like, yeah, you cannot see stinking. a thing. It's
3: they, not getting into who it was, but they built up a race of undefeatable warriors, Only and then kill them in the dark in fourteen minutes. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> it's genuine. It's genuinely shit. So, without much uh, further debate, I think that's certified unpopular. Mm. And to be honest, if that was involved, I think I know where the next one's going. Mm. At King Chadis... Twilight was fucking class, and the people who passionately hate it need to go outside. Aye.
1: So if, uh, if you listen
2: there, uh, if you listen carefully, you're agreeing with that.
1: I like, yeah, I like Twilight. I, I know if that's probably the worst, maybe up there would be one of the worst things I've said. Up there be no like desserts, but twi- <laughs> Twilight was good. I think it's a very, very bad rap.
2: I'll hold my hands up. I've only seen parts of the first one. I had a pal in uni who absolutely loved it, but the the scene that was enough for me is when she walks into the classroom and um, Robert Patterson from behind his desk basically creams himself because he can smell her. Uh, that that was like, what is this? This is a bit odd. How did we make it
3: to fifty episodes, Sam,
2: without knowing that you were a VL? Aye, <laughs> well,
1: I've, I think I've only been here for about twenty then, so.
2: Yeah we should say this is our 50th episode and we've done a big thing for it as you can see by talking about <laughs> Twilight <laughs> Yeah
3: it's the way we always thought it would go um, I made, I've, I've seen very little of Twilight but what I have seen was dog Mark, and I've got no interest in seeing any more of it so I, I actually don't even know what more I can say on that. I'm happy just to move on and say that that's an incorrect
2: opinion. Robert Pattinson has then went on to redeem himself as as quite a good actor, and I'm looking forward to see him as Batman. I think he's going to be quite yeah, good. Yeah, me too. However, the other one, what do you call her? Um, her that bites her lip a lot. I forgot her name.
3: Oh, hey, Kristen
2: Stewart. Yeah. She's awful. And everything I've ever seen, she's rotten. Like, and I'd rather not sit and watch all these movies that she's the main person in it. Like, I'm all it. Yeah.
3: I remember seeing a clip once of um, michael sheen for some reason debased himself and was in one of them or all of them or a few of them or whatever it was and has this really weird rank accent and screams in a kind of odd high-pitched way before a big battle and i think that's probably as much as i've seen of any of the films and that was enough for me to be to rule out ever doing it, even even
2: ironically. Also, oh, wasn't
1: like
2: Fifty Shades my goal? <laughs> wasn't Fifty Shades of Grey started as like a
1: Twilight fan, <sighs> fan fiction? right.
2: So with it, mm. Twilight has led to that as well. So that's just an, e- mm. an extra L in their column. So sorry for not it? <laughs>
1: Fifty Shades is
2: decent.
3: Oh,
1: God, date
2: right, Sam.
3: That's played
1: too. Aye. Just, for our Fifty Shades,
2: we're just gonna say this is Sam's last appearance on Misery Miserable.
3: <laughs> 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 I know this is uh, this is audio only, but I've got the benefit of seeing Sam on Zoom. while really he saying that? And his room is entirely red. Listen <laughs> <laughs> to cover up sus- my suspe-
1: my chains.
2: Yeah, that, if, you, uh, if, if, if you listen very quietly at the background, you'll hear some jangling just of <laughs> metal in the background.
3: And uh, on that certified unpopular note, we'll, uh, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, at Carl JS, friends is absolute wank.
2: I'm not having
1: that at all uh, I'm having that I think that's fine it's I, friends think, is
2: I think that's a no. generational thing like I think people born under like like anyone born like 2000 onwards when were you born Sam?
1: 1999
2: anyone born 1999 onwards <laughs> very, very, very anyone, little, anyone younger than Tamagotchis yeah, they've got very little taste for 90s cultures kind of thing and that's what that was morely based on and I think, like, as grown like, growing up, like, I remember it being on TV all the time, and like, it's, it's such a simple, easy watch. And like, Jennifer yeah. Aniston's in it, and she's a goddess, so like,
3: it's just the perfect background, telly I wouldn't like sit down now, 17 years after the last episode's come out, and like base my Friday night around watching oh, like friends, the friends. series finale of an episode of Friends, but. She so just having it in the background while you're doing other stuff it is literally perfect.
2: Yeah, to completely write it off is just, it's its just, that's just a bad move. It's, 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 it's edgy, it's, is what
1: it is. It's edgy. It's it, just being a hipster.
2: It is yeah, exactly, was held by those glasses you're wearing right
1: now. I don't know. Fuck oh, <laughs> off. <laughs> you're the only one wearing glasses.
3: Uh, <laughs> and Sam, are, are you hipster? drinking a rhubarb and blackcurrant sour? Here? You're mad hipster, you?
2: Like this one here with a picture of the pie on the can. Like, come on. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's, that's
3: Jamie, the tenant said.
2: Anyway. Um, so I, I, but, like, there's so I'm many happy to override on that one. That, like, who's not tried to lift a couch and shout
1: pivot? See, see that, yeah. right? Uh, uh, that, it's that's so relatable. Like, that, that is quite funny. See? But there's, there is there is a lot of stuff, isn't there? Uh, is not its it the guy, Chandler? The. He's not funny. He's, he's a, a bit. He's funny.
2: excellent Best in a couple luck. of series. Uh, I mean, I don't like how they turned his character towards the end. But it's kind of like The Simpsons. After a certain series, you, you can kind of stop watching it because it's no good. I, yeah. but, um, but that's the thing with American some, series. Yeah, they, they take they take the piss out and it takes too long. But
0: they,
1: they do the two hundred and
3: forty. Yeah, when they do two hundred and forty episodes, you can pick fifty episodes that you like and just watch them on a loop, and you don't really need to worry about all the.
2: But there was a few golden series where Chandler was king. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely agreeing on on that.
3: The the only episode that I would give you where if you only watched that episode, I think you could you would assume that it was the worst sitcom ever written. Is the sitcom is the episode really later on when uh, Joey tries to speak French? Oh yeah, that nothing. Nothing has ever made me more annoyed than and, and them trying to show someone is stupid by getting them to listen to something. And then repeat it back as something else. And they kind That's of, not how
2: stupidity works. They'd done that with a lot of characters, where they made them like like there was like a series where Rachel was really stupid. There was a series where Joy was just like the thickest one. There they'd done it with Phoebe, but then they were all like while they were all a, a bit quirky in their own right, they were all relatively not intelligent, but they, they were smart enough. Like established all rich New Yorkers. established characters who then just one season they would just like, right, he's now the stupidest man alive and it, he's clearly never been to school because he doesn't know what this is. It's that kind of thing.
3: Yeah. It has its ups and downs. I think anyone who says it's the best sitcom ever or whatever is probably not of, of particularly sharp taste but I, it, I'm not having it as completely written off. It's, it's filler and it's it's got a place. Mm-hmm. I would have it as a and my decision's fine so there we go and uh, finally although there's about 12 different opinions to, to work through here we'll
2: just go by is, one uh, by another... one what? one by one we'll do it one by one yeah do it quick fire uh, the, the twitter
3: account is another one of the the club who puts their full name and phone number in there so it's at Darren K o five two 05272768 oh. um, just in case anyone wants to send them send them some whatsapps send um,
1: them a link to Twilight on Netflix <laughs>
3: First up, the Libertines are shite and sound like four musicians playing different songs.
2: No. Uh, I'll agree with that. Fucking hell, <sighs> Sam. Sam.
3: First <laughs> two, first two Li- Libertines albums are... are and maybe are maybe excellent. it's just my age. Maybe it's because I was 16 when they came out. But first two Libertines albums are class.
2: I've seen the Libertines live a few times and Pete Doherty by himself. He, he's an excellent musician. Like, And the shows are great. Like, I'm not having that they're, they're bad. Like, no. Yeah, I mean, you ah, can write nah, off almost it,
3: everything they've done since 2008, which is fair enough. I mean, I don't know. It, that that
2: last album had a couple of good tracks on it as well, so I'm not yeah. totally against... The, but I'm a, I'm a fan of Libertines, so... Yeah,
1: maybe, but just done, my, or maybe just not my cup of tea.
3: And I, like and I think what like, a comparable band would be for you in the kind of time frame that you're talking about, like The Wanted or something. Busted. <laughs> <laughs> fly. Five seconds to summer, huh? they would <laughs>
2: I um, like how you said that and then went, Oh shit, I shouldn't know who they are or whatever they're called. <laughs> I just
3: realized suddenly how old I sounded. <laughs> One of the current acts look wham. <laughs> 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 um and that nah, I, I think you're I mean it sounds like me and Jimmy are just gonna disagree with Sam. Yeah, on, I think, all of these. I think but, it's that uh, like
2: generation thing.
3: Yeah. Out uh, outvoted on that. Um, they're certainly not shite. They might not be the best band ever, but they're
1: they're not shite. Second up, <gasps> Sons of Anarchy is just dreadful. That's horrendous, that opinion. It's one of the best things I've ever watched. I'm I'm about it. I've been, it's one of the ones that maybe the first season slow, but if you stick with it, you're rewarded to wait mm. six seasons after the season season two all the way through to season seven they're excellent television and I'll never mm-hmm. have they tell me otherwise
3: the northern Irish accents oh, are some of them
1: they're, they're bad you Jimmy might... O'Fallon
2: <laughs> 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 hello there, <dear>, Mr. Sons <laughs> of Anarchy sir that's, that's better than any accent that was on that season <laughs> um, it's like the Scottish accents in PK Blenders oh I know um, I will say like when you read out that question you might have heard me audibly gasp that was because I saw someone just tweet as an awful opinion which I am going to include afterwards. Uh, I'll, I'll bring it up. Don't worry. But um, Sons of Anarchy. I mean, I, I did watch it, and I remember being annoyed more than enjoyed. <laughs> but it was one of those things I stuck to. There were some good mo- moments. I really liked the character Half Sack, who was called Half Sack because he had half a sack. But then I really went off that character when I found out he actually committed murder then killed himself in real life. So uh, <laughs> Sons of Anarchy's got a lot of good stuff to it. The the guy behind Sons Sons
3: of Anarchy, mm-hmm. who's um, is it Sean Ryan, is the same guy that created the Shield. Um, he produced it, but the Shield had a team of writers, whereas Sons of Anarchy I think this is pretty much all written and done by uh, Kurt, Kurt, Sutter, Sutter. Kurt Sutter, who right. plays
2: who plays Otto yeah, in Sons of Anarchy, lied, and I think uh, Jaxie's mum in real life as well. Yeah,
3: I think the, the Shield had the uh, the Shield for my money is one of the best series of all time, but. I think that had a bit of balance to it. There was all the kind of properly like, mental stuff that Sons of Anarchy has, I've never but seen also it. also reined it in. Whereas Sons of Anarchy for me had like lots of good ideas, but just would disappeared up.
2: I've never I up say, its I'd...
3: own arse sometimes, and also sometimes was just like stretched belief. Yeah. So, so by the time it finished, and I, I won't say what happens in the final episode, but by the time what happened in the final episode happened, I was literally that. out my seat cheering because I was so done. Mm-hmm. With anyone involved in it, that is true.
2: At any point, and um, I, w- I will say I've never actually seen the shield, but I, I'll, your recommendation, I'll give it a watch. But what, there are two points that I did quite like about Sons of Anarchy, where they try to bring some realism, because like Happy from that was a member of the Real Hell's Angels and the guy who they visited in prison a lot like with the kind of voice box he was an original member of the Hells Angels from like the 60s who features a lot in Hunter S. Thompson's book Hells Angels which is definitely worth a read because that guy was a mad bastard who after Hunter S. Thompson read his book decided he didn't like it and he beat Hunter S. Thompson up in a car park nearly to death because of it (laughs) it's definitely worth worth a read Um, but he is a mad horrible bastard and it's crazy that he's actually um, still around to (laughs) Uh, even appear in there. I don't know if he still is now because it's been a while since Sons of Anarchy. He's probably dead now, but yeah. I'll, um, I'll
3: always be grateful that Sons of Anarchy exists because I was once in a pub in Ayr before a wedding in Ayrshire the following day, and uh, loads of guys in motorcycle cuts come into the pub, and uh, someone was I was with referred to them as the Huns of Anarchy, and I think it's just about the funniest thing I've ever heard.
2: <laughs> I will say it is absolutely. I, I did work for a spell in A1 Toys in Brayhead, and you used to get people come in all the time that were wearing the Sun's Anarchy leather cuts and all that. And you're just like, oh, okay, that's a bit too much. Usually with a Brayhead clan shirt under it. <laughs> nice. Which is good to see that's what you're wearing now, Sam, as well.
3: Good on you.
2: As... It's, it's a mixed bag that you've got on, but it's. I,
1: you, you I keep do... changing.
3: <laughs> um. Uh, Darren also thinks Friends is is dreadful, but we can um, we can move on from that. Muse are pish. I haven't seen again, maybe it's my age, but I saw Muse at bolted from school in fifth year at Glennie, Got the train to Edinburgh. Saw Muse play at Meadowbank. Got the train home, and uh, all in the one the one evening. And then on the Friday went through and saw Radiohead play at Meadowbank Stadium as well. And it was just about the greatest three days of music and skiving that I've seen in my entire. My entire existence, so Muse will always have a place in my heart for that.
2: So, Muse ah, are good. I am not a huge fan of Muse, I've never really been a huge fan of Muse, but I've understood everyone's always said, Oh, they're one of the greatest live bands ever. And I I was at Glastonbury when Muse played, and I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to give them a chance. And do you know what? I was bored, I was so disappointed, and I was bored. And after about three songs I decided to leave and I instead went and watched Pet Shop Boys who were a hell of a lot better and a hell of a lot more entertaining admit. and then they were playing Team The Park the same year and I, and I tried again and I was like I can't do this and someone I was with was like yeah they're, they're not great and I don't know if it was just maybe they're not set for a festival or whatever or I don't know I, I or just maybe because I'm not a huge fan of them I, I just wasn't really brought into it and we decided to leave but the only unfortunate thing was I think the only other act playing at the time was black eyed peas who were equally as <laughs> atrocious and kept saying that hello Glasgow they kept doing that <laughs>
3: um my uh my wee cousin was also at that meadowbank gig so I think he had been like 16 at the time and for whatever reason him, him and two of his mates went along properly early and went into the stadium as the, like doors opened and uh, they found a football inside the inside the like, so it was on the pitch at, at Meadowbank and they found a football just kicking about so they were like playing longies in the in the like in the ground waiting for the concert to start. And uh, a guy came over and i like, Oh you guys you playing football, hey, you like football, do you play fives? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah. So like, do you fancy coming for a quick game of fives for the next like hour or so? And he was like, I like but we've just come in with our tickets. And I was like, No, no, it's it's fine, it's it's kind of backstage if, if you want. And they went and played a game of fives with Muse before <laughs> before they played the gig. So Cool. Aye, um, good, uh, good lads in my book, They're a, a proper kibble bunch of boys.
2: Oh, well Matt, I do love the one when they were on TV and somewhere in Europe and they asked them to mime so they like the whole swap positions <laughs> and Matt Bellamy's on drums. I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, and uh, finally, from uh, from Darren, Doctor Who is for wins that's, uh, that's a that's a in my book. I agree. I've never liked it. I've no, tried thanks. many times, and I've not really got it. I've I've tried, but no. Aye, yeah. can I Fair enough. David Tennant,
3: Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi. I can't remember the current. Jodie Wicker. Jodie Wicker. Good. It's it's fine. It's harmless. I don't I don't begrudge people. A bit of fandom for it, and whatever else, there's much worse things to be obsessed with. But I'm, I'm also not that.
2: The fans, I think, also if, love, it's, um,
3: John... if it's, if it's, tame enough to show before news rounds, <laughs> then I'm, a, I'm not that fussed about it. So,
2: the fans also love John Barrowman, who we now know is a mad. We're all shocked to learn is a mad, creepy character. Who uh, could have predicted oh. it? So, I'm going to mention this opinion that's just came in that I saw on my phone, and I audibly gasped. When he said Blink-182 and all that kind of music is the worst music genre going, I'd take classical FM over it. So as someone who I would say up until, I don't know, I'd still say Blink-182 are probably, like, well, pre-Tom Long leaving, even though he is an arsehole, it's probably one of my favourite bands. <laughs> I thought I'd have to mention that fact. That, um, yeah. that well, admit, pop punk, I think that's the genre you're talking about, has a lot of shite in it, but the the bands that are that excel at it, like blink are excellent even like their, their last two albums yeah they they lack something because it's not got tom Dolan in it but they're still a pretty decent listen but Blink 182 are a fantastic band one of the best bands i've ever seen live as well I've seen them live a few times and i'm just not having that Blink 182 are fantastic yeah,
1: yeah. i, I so like Blink 182 but i don't really know any other bands in that sort of genre so
2: you
3: think
1: great really... band uh, Thank great
2: really Alkaline like, Trio great. I, I was going to say Alkaline Trio are awesome which is weird why I don't like the Alkaline Trio link kind of mashup that's going on at the moment but um, even Angels and Airways originally were quite good before Tom Dolan went full fucking, actually I say that their, their, their latest album is actually quite good as well and Kiss and Tell probably one of the best tracks he's put out <laughs> in a long time which is relatively new as well so give that a listen yeah um, and just to give him the credit that was Ben Riley that tweeted in that last oh yeah, minute sorry.
3: entirely incorrect opinion yeah. um, that made, me audibly it a, it
2: made me audibly gasp that I had to include it <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah I think that's a certified shite opinion Ben but thanks for, for playing and uh, that brings us to the to the end of this week's unpopular opinions and, and maybe maybe the end of non-football unpopular opinions for a little while until we can build up enough goodwill to go back to
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe spice maybe, it up maybe, maybe we'll bring ask a game you back
2: you. you never know, we might bring
1: right. a game back bring, bring a game back, maybe ask you who your favourite unsung hero is Things like do that un- We could do like a couple rugby opinions next week <laughs> Nah eh, It's been good. A good, good for a wee change To answer some terrible opinions That some of you lot have But at least I've never called you morons Like Mark did so.
3: <laughs> That is true he might not say it, but he definitely thinks it. And then he says it as soon as the record finishes as well.
2: Mm-hmm. One day we'll release an uncut. Maybe for the 50th version, we'll release an uncut of the backstage <coughs> ongoings. No, we fucking won't. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you for listening. Um, oh, pardon me. Sorry, I just burped. That's what happens when you're drinking beer on a podcast. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, keep an eye out on Twitter. Um, over the next few days, I will be putting something up there, which I'm sure you will like to see. Um, get our merch miseryhunters.co.uk so also if you aren't following us Twitter follow us at miseryhunters and um, as always fuck Alex Ray eh,
1: fuck Eves Busuba fuck um, fuck both
3: football clubs in Prague mm. fuck both <laughs> of their chairmen, fuck all of their fans fuck all of the Czech politicians who've waited in say the kids. <laughs> I'm not going to say fuck the. I played, I played. I
2: played this actual way too early.
3: <laughs> Mark's still not finished. Fuck it, anyone that sent something to Marvin Butler.
0: Sports, social, podcast network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.